Hey there. Hey there, listeners. We have a special, special episode for you this week. It's an interview with Adam Agoyan, who is an amazing Oscar-nominated director and screenwriter. I think we hit it out of the park, Critic. <laughs> yes. Uh, you Look, can I just say, Adam is a great interview. He has such great knowledge of film, and, and he's really expressive about his own process. So we get into a lot of different aspects of that. And I think it's going to be uh, not only interesting, but also useful for the listeners here. So, so coming out yeah. this Friday is, uh, is Remember, um, which is directed by Adam and starring Christopher Plummer, uh, the great Christopher Plummer. The and, great. And. And Martin Landau. The great. The great. And Dean Norris, he shows up, everybody, from Breaking Bad. So uh, we'll, we'll discuss that. And that's uh, March 11th. Yes. So um, stay tuned and listen to our interview with Adam. On this episode of Why Watch That. Hitchcock, you know, famously said that actors are like cattle, you know. Like, yes! you, just, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't believe he meant that. There's no way. You look at the performances, you look at James Stewart in Vertigo, um, and you look at some of these, you know, actors, and they're just giving such amazing performances, and you can't believe, I mean, I don't believe that he had that attitude when he was talking to these actors. There's no way. Just watching this, I was on guard. Because I was like, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know quite what to believe. So, you know, I'm great. Think, well, that's, yeah. that's a good response. That's a yeah. great response. I mean, I, I think, you know, the film starts off and you think you have an idea of what it's about. You sort of have an idea of the type of, of journey you're going to go on. But then it, you know, it, it shifts into someplace else. Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why watch, watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. The Why Watch That Interview. We have a special guest, everybody. Very uh, special. Very special. This is our first interview, actually, after doing all of these shows. And we are so happy and proud to introduce you to Adam Agoyan, a great director. Um, and we'll get into everything that he's done. Uh, coming up soon in the States, uh, his, one of his films, his latest film, Remember will be released, and that's on March 11th. Uh, so if you see that in the theater near you, certainly check it out. Um, so I just wanted to start with that, and then we'll break it down further. Right, Raph? Excellent. You know, this is exciting, Adam. We see that you've worked with some of Hollywood's um, most amazing um, actors and actresses. Most notably, our listeners would know Reese Witherspoon, Liam Neeson, Julianne Moore, Colin Firth, Ryan Reynolds, Rosario Dawson, and Kevin Bacon. So officially, Adam, we are one degree away from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at this precise moment, it's one degree. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I brought him into the family just so I could say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'll do well when I play the game. I was aware as we were shooting, I was actually like less than one degree. I was actually there. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, has, he has a good sense of humor about it, though. That's perfect. Um, now, we don't want to... Uh, we don't want to uh, skip over the fact that Adam's been nominated for um, two Oscars. So congratulations, congratulations on that. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, we just want to jump in first with uh, starting with your basic career, which has expanded over decades, actually. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I started like. Um, as an independent filmmaker, and still am in many ways, but you know, it was a very different time. I mean, like in the mid '80s, uh, it was uh, not that many people were trying to be filmmakers, so there was a bit more space, and and uh, the festival scene wasn't quite so intense and crazy. And uh, you know, I feel very privileged about that. So I was able to develop a career uh, in a very different way than you need to have a career now. I mean, that's for sure. So uh, you know, the films were. Uh, appreciated. Um, they didn't like break through really until Exotica, which was done in the mid '90s, and uh, then the Sweet Hereafter right after that. So, but there were five features that um, are available on DVD, and they're available online uh, through iTunes. And you know, if people want to check out that early part of the career, but that was really a filmmaker that was exploring a number of issues that were very important to me at a time at a very personal level. And really working outside of the system because there wasn't really any system at that point. It was very different, and you had to get the films into theaters um, and and home video. There was no digital world, and that's really made a huge difference. Yeah, totally. What what made you get into film uh, directing? And- I was always writing plays. I mean, at school, I, I I loved to tell stories, and I loved to kind of work with my friends and put on plays and. And then I went to, to college, and there was a film club there. And like I said, there weren't a lot of people who were wanting to be filmmakers. So, what, honestly, one of my plays was turned down by the College Drama Society, and out of spite, I said, "Well, I'll make it as a movie." <laughs> and I went across, and like that's really how it started. And 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 the moment I, you know, started shooting, and and the moment I held that camera, I just got really excited. And I went, "This is the coolest thing!" Like the camera feels like it could be another character like uh and if i could start making films about you know certain types of stories where the camera takes on the presence of a character i thought that'd be really original and and that got me very inspired and there was no turning back like once i started making those movies in my early 20s that i knew that's what i wanted to do Great. And you know what? Since uh, you mentioned Exotica, you mentioned The Sweet Hereafter, I just want our audience to know that just uh, like Adam said, please check those out. Uh, I was actually introduced to your work, Adam, uh, through The Sweet Hereafter. That was the first movie of yours I saw. And one thing that I really noted was, well, it's actually two things, was your uh, ex- exploration of loss and the, the relative... Uh, ease or the unforced manner in which you tell the story you just let it unfold so is that something you do purposely is that something that's a through line in your work yeah you know it's interesting i i I really do feel that i'm trying to find a way of telling the story that reflects how the characters are feeling and i think that in a lot of these stories the characters are dealing with loss or they're dealing with uh trying to understand something that's been taken away from them or they're trying to Put the pieces of their life back together, and I think in the sim- similar way, the, I want the viewer to be putting the pieces of the story together as well. 
and so there is this feeling that it's not a traditional narrative. You know, you're you're actually um, you're you're sort of in the middle of a puzzle. I mean, Exotica maybe is the best example of that because it's set in a, a strip club and there's that whole sort of a central image of this person peeling off layers. But you know that idea of peeling off layers is a bit also like a kind of an onion. You know, you peel away the layers to get at something, and 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 the whole structure of the film becomes like a like a strip tease in a way, like the whole way it's told. And mm-hmm. I I think that 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 was a real breakthrough movie for me in a lot of ways because I I just feel that the form, the structure, and and the way the performances worked and the way everything comes together, really captured. The, the mental space that the characters were in. That's what I'm always trying to do: is trying to find a way through the language of the and the structure and the, and the cinematography and the music and put all these things together, not to tell films in a traditional way, but to really get into the characters' headspace. You know, that's really interesting um, because that definitely takes collaborative efforts. Um, and I see that you work with actors on multiple occasions, like Christopher. Yeah. Your first time with Christopher Plummer. You work with Colin Firth multiple times. Um, yeah. How does that How does that work out when it's actual time? Actually, time to shoot the shorthand. That well, you make it just means it, it. It means that you know their. And it sounds weird to say this, but their instrument. I mean, actors have instruments. They have, you know, a, a set of. Um, emotions and a, and a set of uh, there's a temperament that each actor has that's quite specific now of course they can um, you know there's a, a huge range but you know what you know what it is that they're best at expressing and uh, when you're writing or thinking of these roles you have them in mind and um, you know you, you you certainly want to push the boundaries of that you certainly want them to explore other spaces and sometimes you want to use you know characters that they've played before against themselves you want them to kind of challenge that but it's, it's about intimacy right it's about knowing you know the actor and yeah and that is so important it's so important you know to really um, feel close to your actor. It's 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 my it's the primary job a director has is to be there on set and to attend to them. You know to make sure that they're being very carefully watched and looked after. And you know it's funny because I don't I've never been on anyone else's set intimately, so I don't know how other directors do it. But for me, it's all about that intimacy, and it starts with the conversations you have with the actors about the role. Um, you know the there's a shorthand and there's a familiarity that comes when you've worked with someone before, and that's really important. But that being said, you know, like when I, I think if you look at a film like Captive with Ryan Reynolds, um, you know, I hadn't worked with him before, and 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 I think he does something extraordinary in that film. You know, it's 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 a Ryan Reynolds you haven't seen before, and yeah, you know, he's yeah. playing. You know, so so you know, but you need to have a. How can I put it? You have to have like a fantasy of what that actor is capable of. You have to be really excited to work with them. You have to feel that that you know there's something special about them being in front of your camera. For the most part, do you cast uh, most of your movies? Well, up until Sweet Hereafter, up to and an including Sweet Hereafter, I, I did. You know, uh, um, but I do think that you know uh, once you uh, you know work with you know the system or you know you're working with. Stars and managers and agents. I mean, it is helpful to have a casting agent, of course. You know, you know, and I think that, uh, and their input is also very important. 
And let's say if you look at a huge ensemble piece like Devil's Knot, which had a huge cast, I mean, there's yeah. no way I could have done that on my own. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Back to why watch that. Let's talk about how what who influences you. We heard from a little birdie that you're influenced by um, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> well, look, I mean, Hitchcock is the master. I mean, I think that uh, especially there's a, a book he did with a French filmmaker, uh, Francois Truffaut. Uh, it was a series of conversations. Actually, there was a documentary that just came out uh, on, on these conversations that were uh, recorded. Uh, it was called Hitchcock Truffaut, and uh, it was an American documentary that was released uh, by Kent Jones. So if you really, if you really want to understand film language... You have to read this conversation. I mean, it's published as a book. You can get a sense of it from this documentary, but it is my film school. Um, I, I never went to film school. I didn't study film. I was studying something completely different in college. But um, when I heard this conversation, and I, 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 I was able to the way witness the way uh, Hitchcock could break down scenes. You know how how prepared he was. How he had everything pre-visualized. You know, all of that was so informative. Now, on the other hand, he had a very odd view about actors. It's funny, we were just talking about actors. Right. You know, Hitchcock, you know, famously said that actors are like cattle, you know. That yes! You, just, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't believe he meant that. There's no way. You look at the performances, you look at James Stewart in Vertigo, um, and you look at some of these, you know, actors, and they're just giving such amazing performances and you can't believe I mean I don't believe that he had that attitude when he was talking to these actors there's no way I think he just had a funny sense of humor and he just you know made that statement and it's been completely over you know overhyped because I, I there's no way that an actor a director of that intelligence could consider actors that way but he has been you know a huge influence on me right and and, and, and you know one of the thrills about working with like Martin Landau in Remember the new movie Yes. That Martin Landau was in Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Right? Yes, so, absolutely. So, so you have a direct. You talked about one degree of separation with Kevin Bacon. Well, uh, you know, through Martin <laughs> Landau, I had one degree of separation with Alfred Hitchcock, and that was pretty exciting. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, speaking of remember, Adam, were there other things that influenced you from Hitchcock? Because I know just watching it, the music certainly to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I would say that there's a there's a lot of uh, you know uh, tips in my hat to Hitchcock in this movie in terms of the um, you know just the sense of someone being caught in a machine. Like Hitchcock uses that many times in his films, where someone is set up in a plan that they're not aware of, that there's something you know that they're caught in some sort of a trap, uh, that there's someone who's uh, manipulating them into a space. You definitely get that in the relationship between Martin Landau and Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, you know, plays this uh, 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 survivor of the Second World War whose family's been completely wiped out, who 
thinks that he's found the person responsible for, for killing his family and goes on a mission to assassinate him. But basically, he's suffering from early stages dementia, so he keeps forgetting why he's on this mission. And the only guide he has is this letter that Martin Landau, this other person he's met in the nursing home, has written for him. And, and in a way, Martin Landau is like the, the puppet master, right? He's controlling all the strings. And that idea of someone being controlled is very Hitchcockian. I mean, you see that yeah. in a number of Hitchcock's films. Yes. And then the music, uh, you know, really uh, has that kind of, uh, it's got, it has that tension, right? And, and, and you really feel at all times that, that this is leading to something uh, that's going to explode at a certain point. Right. I tell you, we just talked about the MacGuffin, uh, <laughs> but the Hitchconian uh, uh, element that he uses, I'm assuming the letter is the MacGuffin. Am I right, Critic? The or, or even, <laughs> you know what? There's a gun going on there. Oh, that, yeah. That, there's there's, yeah. there's a few of them actually. Right. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. You know, the, here's the thing about this movie is we can't talk about it too much because there's a big, there's a couple of reveals and yes. can't. I don't, I don't, I don't want to like give that away. I think I mean the best response to this movie is people who know as little as possible going in because it it really is very. There's a lot of surprises, and there's a lot of things that you know happen the way. So if we start talking about the MacGuffins. I think that might give away a few things. So I don't want to go into it in too much detail. But, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and you know uh, what's so interesting? Also, you were talking about the relationship between the characters played by Christopher Plummer and Martin Landau, but also to note that Martin Landau also has a limitation. So it's it's kind of like they complete each other, but also exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, so basically, they they both seem to be, you know, uh, seeking retribution. Um, but you know, Plummer, uh, Christopher Plummer's character, you know, he's in, you know, he's in good shape. He's able to kind of like carry out this mission, but his mind is kind of going. You know, he has dementia. Right. While Martin Landau, you know, whose uh, mind is sharp, you know, like like really. Uh, you know, and who's been working most of his career with the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He's been tracking down Nazis all his life, but now his body is failing. So the the two sort of become this unlikely team. And um, the nature of their mission, um, you know, it, it shifts. And again, I don't want to go into the details of that, but it, it really, um, uh, they they complement each other in unexpected ways. That's all I will say. Yeah. Yes, and, and you know, the, that the unexpectedness of your work, uh, because even like, not just for the audience, but also the characters, their expectations shift. And I, I just watching this, I was on guard because I was like, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know quite what to believe. So, you know, I great. Well, that's, that's a good response. That's a great response. I mean, I, I think, you know, the film starts off and you think you have an idea of what it's about. You sort of have an idea of the type of of journey you're going to go on, but then it, you know, it it shifts into someplace else. And it's quite interesting, you know, given the fact of, you know, how old these characters are, you know, and the fact that they have a gun, and and you know that you know that there's an assassination sort of order. It's amazing how much empathy you feel towards them. It's amazing, you know, you really care for him because if he feels fragile, and and that comes back to you in an odd way. I mean, when you see the movie. Yeah, and there and there are some beautiful performances in there. Beautiful. Yeah, hats yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's a very unusual performance uh, because uh, with the central performance by Christopher Plummer. You know, it's it's because of his dementia. He doesn't have 
subtext. I mean, subtext is the traditional, you know, uh, material that you work with um, as an actor, especially, you know, uh, you know, as a director building up a character. It's all the stuff that isn't said, all the stuff that's going through their mind, all the stuff that they're trying to process, which may not be in the dialogue, and that, be, you know, creates a lot of depth and that subtext. But because of this character having dementia, he's only playing the present. He's only playing, you know, the immediate. Tense, and so there is no subtext as such. Even though he's carrying a ton of history, and that's what gives it its very particular tone. And I think you need someone like Christopher Plummer, who's such an extraordinary actor, who's yes. able to make the present feel so focused and so urgent. That's what makes us drawn to this man because it's, it's and it's a radical performance. Because as I say, there isn't the traditional um, um, subtext that's going on. Certainly, there is with Martin Landau. Certainly, there is with a lot of the other characters, Dean Norris, you know, and and all these other characters uh, are are more traditional in their approach than the central character played by Christopher Plummer. Right, and and Dean Norris, just so everyone knows, you know him from Breaking Bad. So uh, <laughs> this is a very different role for him. Right? Very different. It certainly is. <laughs> so Adam, this is um, you direct um, and write many of your projects, but for this yeah. one. It's Benjamin August, who this is his first screenplay. How was it? How was it doing this project different from other projects that you've done? Um, well, it, you know, I mean, everything that I just said before about the way I normally tell the story about finding a kind of a non-linear approach, trying to find a structure that reflects the characters, and you know, this one is very different. It's very simple. You know, the the storyline is very linear. It, it goes from A to B, and. Honestly, if I had this idea, I probably wouldn't have written it so simply, and that's what I was yeah. drawn to.、Uh, I was drawn to the fact that it was so disarmingly straightforward, and yet it's dealing with so many things. It's kind of unbelievable. It's a first feature.、Uh, I think you know. I read this, and、uh, my jaw dropped. I just couldn't believe that someone you know could could you know that Ben August was able to find、uh, such an original story. Um, I mean, there's obviously influences from films like Memento and, and other、yeah. movies, but but the central idea, you know, and, the, and and this character played by Christopher Plummer, the character of Zev, is unlike any other character I can assure you that anyone's ever seen before or read about. It's very unusual, very singular, and you've got to credit Ben August for coming up with that idea. Dynamic Network offers podcasts that have something for everyone. Our conversations feature experts who not only inform but also engage. Interested in sports or entertainment? We got you covered. What about business, current news, pop culture, and politics? No problem. We take care of it all. Check out Dynamic Network at DailyDynamic.com, where every day brings a new perspective. Again, that's Dynamic Network at DailyDynamic.com. Also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Back to why watch that? Well, let's shift gears just just for a moment as we wrap up. We at Why Watch That love to talk about what we love to watch, and so we're、mm -hmm. wondering, Adam, <laughs> could you give our listeners、um, some suggestions, a couple movies, and maybe a TV show that you're currently watching that? That's really turning you on. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I've been, you know, catching up on a lot of stuff. I mean, I just finished.、Uh, I've been watching Ray Donovan, which I think is really good. Oh, love that.、Uh, 
Yeah, I think I think it's really remarkable, and I think there's a really interesting. You know, I don't know if any, anyone's been talking about this. I mean, here you have Liab Schreiber, you know, in both you know uh, Ray Donovan and also Spotlight, and both yeah. these movies are dealing with the effect of abuse, right? Yes. Um, you know, I, I mean, both the TV show and the movie, mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of fascinating in terms of how you know which one has a greater effect, like which one. You know, because you really, with Ray Donovan, you're you're, you're exploring the the dark, the consequences of this on, on on these characters, right? And I've been I've been really I've been I've been liking that a lot. Um, I you know I mean I mean I, I you know obviously like the traditional like you're mentioning Breaking Bad, I mean which I loved, and and, and obviously uh, you know uh, all of these uh, you know like Mad Men and all that sort of stuff. I'm about to watch. Uh, um, Anyway, yeah. So I watch a lot of TV. I mean, like, because I think there's some amazing writing on television right now. Yeah. And I thought it was a pretty good year, you know, like in terms of uh, films. Like there were some really great films. I, but I, I'm drawn to like really some of the smaller movies, like Tangerine, which I thought was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Did, did you guys see that? The movie that was shot on an iPhone. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. Yeah, we, really we, good. <laughs> we know all about that one. So. so <laughs> Yeah, you enjoy that. And you know what, uh, Adam, what you said about Ray Donovan and Spotlight, I think you're so right. A lot of people aren't talking about it that way, the connection with Liev Schreiber. Um, And and really, he's dealing with uh, two completely different characters that way. Um, So I... Yeah, it just, to me, I mean, to me, given the controversy around what Spotlight is, is exposing... He went there before with Ray Donovan, you know, and, and, and that was also, an, you know, I, and I don't even know if he's talking about that, but it's kind of amazing that you right. have this one actor who's in these two very different projects. Yeah. Um, if, if you um, could give us one movie, one of your top favorite movies of all time, <laughs> which no pressure, no pressure, uh, what would you give our listeners? What would you suggest? For you. Well, I think I think everyone has to see Vertigo. I mean, we we're talking about Hitchcock. I think that that is one of the great. I mean, it was just voted, you know, by an international poll as the greatest film of all time. And I think it really, you know, if if you haven't seen it and you consider yourself to be a film buff, you need to. You know, like it, it's it's it, it's essential viewing. Yes, we um, agree. We agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, we talk about it a lot here on the show. <laughs> oh, you, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that's a really important film. And then I think that there's, you know, a ton of other films that I, you know, like I, I come from a weird mixture of like European art cinema, like the Fellinis and the Bergmans and, you know, the Bresson. But then I love like American cinema from the 70s. Like I love, you know, the, uh, you know, the Taxi Driver and I love, mm-hmm. you know, the Conversation and, and the Godfather and, you know, all these kind of neo-noirs that Hollywood was doing in the 70s. So those are really important films for me as well. Yeah, and can I just um, say... You know, and then I like stuff like, you know, there's some, you know, I like the Anthony Mann westerns as well. I, you know, so I like, you know, and I've been on a John Ford kick lately. You know, I, I I think I saw this film the other day and I went, oh my God, this could be the best film ever made about America, period, called uh, The Man the, the man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Have you seen uh, that? We haven't it's seen that. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and you know what? I just have to say the conversation, everyone, is uh, a Coppola film. Uh, yes, I mean, yeah. think about this. Coppola made the conversation, which is one of the best films in the seventies, between Godfather one and two. Now that right. is a director on yeah. a roll, right? Yeah. You know, like I mean, unthinkable. He made it like, like I think he made uh, Godfather one year, Conversation another next year, and then Godfather two. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. That's, I think it's kind of unprecedented. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you then, so much. And then much. right after that, he made, and then he made Apocalypse Now. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I was on a jury with him. 
I was on the jury at the Cannes Film Festival and Francis Ford Coppola was the president and I, w- I was just pinching myself the whole time. Wow. Oh my gosh, I probably would have passed out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so wait a minute, we're one degree away from Fred Coppola, or, uh, Francis Coppola. Francis. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well listen, Adam, thank you so much for... Um, for taking time out to talk about Remember. Everybody, you can check that out. We'll have all that information on our website at www.whywatchthat.com. And we'll also have a list of Adam's suggestions um, as far as movies and televisions, so you can check it out. Thank you so much again, and we hope um, that everyone will go out and take a look at Remember. Cool. It was great talking to you. And now, the pick of the week. Hey, everybody. This time, the critic is coming back with the pick of the week, the conversation written and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, the man who created The Godfather. Tell us all about it. Well, Adam McGoyan mentioned this one, and I wanted to highlight it. Uh, This is a Coppola film that you probably haven't heard of. I haven't. Um, Yeah, but it stars the great Gene Hackman. Love him. Yeah, and he plays a surveillance expert. So, you know, he's spying on you. And, and the you can see from the camera that whole, like, bird's eye view, and then it gets close up. So Coppola plays around with that. And the sound, because, you know, he's listening into people. Even if you look at the movie poster, he has, uh, you know, his uh, headphones on, his glasses. And this guy believes that there's a murder that might happen. So it's it's not quite the Coppola you will expect. It's not The Godfather. It's not Apocalypse Now. It's something a bit different from him. But if you're interested in these kind of uh, espionage thrillers that uh, move at a, a, a deliberate pace, oh, oh. I would say check out The Conversation. Okay. <laughs> you can check it out on Amazon. You can rent it and do what you will. But guess what? I think I'm going to go check that out right now. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.